Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Robotics. I hope you're well wherever you're in the world listening to this today. It gives me great pleasure to introduce you to my guest today, who is Ken Chowder. His tagline on LinkedIn says he's an entrepreneur, business developer, solutions provider, experienced UAV pilot, and founder of Yellowfin Robotics. Ken, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. I never good to see someone like Nikki would host uh, a podcast with me. So it's my lucky day. Thanks for that. And the tagline can say only so much. Uh, you don't want to bore your readers on LinkedIn, you know, with lengthy taglines. You want to be impactful and just to be on the point. Yeah, but a lot uh, has gone into that uh, before you get to those sort of titles. It's uh, I take them seriously. Of yeah, keep it concise there. You had a very interesting career to date. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Okay, I come from the land of flying carpets. No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, born in India, uh, New Delhi. And I've been in Australia since 2003. But before I came here, it, it has been interesting, as uh, you say, Nikki. Uh, uh, my career uh, started with a career at sea. Uh, which was, um, you know, taking me away from family since I was 18. Uh, and when I say career at sea, we have been away from home for 10 to 11 months, just being on one boat or, yeah, you know, nonstop. Anyone else who's listening, uh, being at sea or being a seafarer, I uh, would understand. A very different life, a very niche kind of industry. And that's why you get very strange people coming out of that industry like me, you know. Uh, so that sort of explains the lunacy, if uh, anyone may notice. Uh, I did that for good 20 odd years. Uh, I went all the way up being a skipper, a uh, sea captain, and I've commanded ships uh, like box boats, uh, ships bringing in cars or big bulk carriers and tankers. Uh, been there, done that, seen the best places in the world. I'm not sure how many people have seen Panama Canal, one of the most picturesque canals in the world. Suez Canal, where, which came in the news, uh, where one of the ships, one of my you know, colleagues, which I don't know, but yeah, blocked traffic uh, in the boats. We saw that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and the multi-billion dollar uh, lawsuits that are now coming out of that. But anyway, that's another discussion. Yeah. Uh, you know, like any other, I would say, accident, any other incident anywhere, it's an opportunity and incident in itself. So a lot of people end up spending money, but there are a lot of people and companies who end up making a lot of money and make a killing out of that, those sort of incidents. But yeah. that was unfortunate. But yeah, yeah, I did the sea thing for 20 odd years before I decided to hang up my binoculars as such, you know, and just quit sea and started doing odd jobs in Australia. I've been uh, a security guard. I've, uh, you know, delivered furniture. I've assembled furniture. And before I got a break with another shipping company in Melbourne, uh, it was a Japanese company, shipping company, one of the top two Japanese shipping lines. Uh, very, very fortunate enough. And I had a four to five year stint with them in Melbourne where I was managing the car business for them in Australia, and basically Oceania, uh, New Zealand and Oceania. So you can't take a seafarer too much away from the sea. So from there, I then rolled on to oil and gas industry again, 
shipping. So where I have been a skipper on the oil and gas boats, uh, very, very interesting, very different to what I've been doing at uh, the bigger boats. Uh, here you're working very close to oil rigs. Uh, when I say close, you're driving a ship, uh, which is 10 meters away from an oil rig. Uh, so very challenging and interesting at times. I was just, uh, uh, just listening to that. My heart rate just went from zero to 100 and thinking, <laughs> Please do not bump into the oil rig, whatever you do. <laughs> no, yeah. it's um, almost like a drone working next to a building. You yeah. know, the, uh, they've got three IMUs. The drone has got three IMUs. They maintain the position precisely. So do the boats. So the boats normally work on DP system, which is dynamic positioning. So they can actually stay on a 50 cent coin. I'm talking yeah. about ships which are 90 to 100 meter long. Yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic system. So, yeah, uh, without, uh, you know, uh, digging more into this, my career, my journey so far uh, has comprised mainly of shipping. And I would say the takeaway and the uh, milestones in that career has been my exposure to the Japanese way of working. And the extraordinary, which we won't delve into now because that's a whole podcast on its own. But how did Yellowfin Robotics come about? How old is the company? And uh, tell us a little bit about your journey there. Okay. Uh, you know, like any other entrepreneur who thinks, you know, they're going to be uh, Steve Jobs one day. So we have been keeping notes for a book eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure. Uh, Swoop Arrow should be doing the same. Thank you. Founder of Thank You did the same. So I would love to imagine myself in that dream. So yeah. So the year was 2016, as they yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, 2016, uh, the trigger point was a downturn in the oil and gas industry and similar thinking people uh, uh, in the seafare, uh, industry, in seafaring industry. Um, we got the jitters because uh, from earning rockstar wages in the oil and gas industry, there was a serious uh, risk of us losing our jobs overnight because uh, companies were going defunct. The uh, oil price was all over the shop. And we have been in a company who entrenched 60% of their workforce. So we try to be proactive and uh, uh, can take the... You know, I, I took some initiative and I got a group of CFRs together to see what the opportunities are. And they, we discussed a lot of business ideas where uh, medical tourism was one. Uh, and that was uh, that gathered a lot of interest. Um, but looking ahead, we all zeroed on to uh, the tech side of things and drones were still I wouldn't say in infancy, but they were still popular and young in uh, 2016. Um, so that sort of uh, gave us the idea of uh, trying our skills. Uh, we had very good skill base for uh, engineering side of things. And we had master mariners like me and we had chief engineers who had 20, 30 years of experience um, on uh, marine diesel engines. So technical side, operational side and the safety aspect of it uh, brought together this idea of yellowfin robotics. So yellowfin explains the name also being a yellowfin tuna. Uh, uh, again, we went through a lot of things and yeah, zero on yellowfin robotics. Uh, we were three founding members, uh, two master mariners and one chief engineer. Good mix of Italian, 
uh, Indian and uh, other Asian cultures and thinking. And yeah, so we have been around since 2016. Uh, That's very interesting, Ken. I didn't know that about your company. And so how many people do you have working for you now? Uh, we have been going up and down, Nikki. So pre-COVID, uh, we went up to about 11 to 12 people yeah. full time. And now we have about entrenched back to six. Okay. Uh, so we are six, uh, but what COVID has taught us uh, for our own good and for everyone's good is that you need to have a big, uh, you know, airship where you can have plugins like a big whale floating in the air and you have plugins with smaller uh, fish coming in and uh, doing their business when, if and what, when required. Yeah, of so course. That, it, it, it sounds like the, the famous pivoting word that you, you're able to go, okay, listen, this is where we need to go. We're in a crisis situation and you must be able to do it quickly. Uh, yes, we we were fortunate enough not to lose it all uh, because yeah. COVID tested most of the companies. And uh, although we had customers who went dormant throughout that COVID period and uh, the restrictions didn't allow, I mean, given the nature of a business, you need to have two to three people together at all times, yeah. uh, looking after safety. So, but yeah, we went through that. I would, I'm uh, happy to say we have gone through uh, the starter phase of being uh, four to five years. We have survived that. And we we fortunate enough to call ourselves uh, a young SME now. Oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations. That's really good. You know, when I talk about Exactic, I always, I still get stuck up in the startup phase. Like, I don't know why I describe myself as a startup because I've still been, I've been going for eight years. It's probably, I refer to my <laughs> revenue, I go, I'm still a startup, but it's fine. I'm a, I'm a small little company. So tell us what you specialize in, Ken. Um, do you build the drones from scratch or are you modifying existing drones? Uh, first thing I would like to clarify is we are not only a drone company uh we did start with drones we did specialize with drones and like many other companies uh i can just think of one exception with super arrow being one yeah uh like many other companies we we started uh with anything and everything we could get with drones so uh we had photography which was the mainstay of the business initially uh so from there we uh, started marketing, met other people, and we then bifurcated into uh, inspections and photography, mm-hmm. which got us uh, exposed to other clients and who had word of mouth publicity uh, uh, going for us. That was the biggest advantage and where the quality of what we were delivering actually paid off. And we now had customers which are mainly councils, we have paint companies. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be working with one of the Fortune 500 companies, uh, Sherwin-Williams, which is based in the US. Uh, we have asset management companies. We had facade management companies. Uh, we, uh, I can say at least three uh, power plant and oil refineries in Victoria we are working with. So. That's that's a sector we uh, were focusing on pre-COVID. So going ahead, our, our focus point has it, it, that's going to shift. Yeah. Okay. You, you're based in Melbourne. How do you get your name out there in the industry? Yes, definitely based in Melbourne. Uh, we came across uh, thing through you again, Nikki. Uh, thanks to you. 
uh, a very, very, uh, I would say, reliable and authentic contact in Nakodu. Nakodu, again, is a new concept uh, uh, which has been founded by Jennifer, uh, an amazing person, amazing networker, amazing uh, intelligent human being. And uh, she uh, came up with this concept of Nagodu. I can't remember the Japanese definition for the word, yeah. but it has worked very well for us. And it, um, we have signed up to this platform. We uh, initially took the advantage of being a, an early signer, and uh, that has exposed us to a totally different ream of uh, customers and talent skill and achievers and entrepreneurs, uh, which we could never ever dream of coming face to face with if we had even tried our best, you know, in marketing. Uh, so Nakodu has um, enabled uh, Yellowfin Robotics to be a part of two to three uh, web meetings and webinars. May I have been talking to people across in India. Uh, I've come across, uh, you know, uh, people who are making solar farms in uh, Australia. And you, you know, I mean, I'm flabbergasted at the at this variety and uh, the whole spectrum of people and skills I came across. And then when you are talking to people like these, a uh, whole dream of ideas and opportunities uh, come up uh, in that process. And that has uh, helped us a lot. So anyone who's listening, I would First of all, give a shout out to Jennifer from Nakodu. That is the platform to be on. That's not only to help Nakodu uh, flourish as a platform and be the one where professionals and entrepreneurs and SMEs like us in the robotic industry go to, but uh, it is for the whole good. I mean, no one company can deliver everything today. That's what I truly believe. And Nakodu is one of the best platforms I've come across in the last two years, which can help you collaborate and collaborate with the right people. Listen, fantastic. And um, yes, Jennifer is certainly everything you've described as. I will put uh, the link for Nakoda's website um, in the show notes for our audience um, so that they can actually have a look at it. You know, you talk about Swoop Aero, which is an absolute one of my favorite uh, companies. And Eric Peck, I just love him. He's going to be at the Generator <clears throat> 22 conference. He's bringing his drones. So, you know, they're going to be doing deliveries now in Gundogai, I mean, Queensland from the, the Aero drone there to farmers. Uh, I think in Logan, there have been at least 100,000 drone deliveries and they're now expanding to KFC. This space is obviously just going to get busier. How do you think uh, Corsa is going to manage all of this? <laughs> okay, that's a honest nest, Nikki. Uh, <laughs> okay, no, not not too long. We're we're not giving them a bad rap. Like I'm just interested. It's it's you know the drone industry in Australia is it's just it's burgeoning. It's it's really just every day you just hear new things about it. Yeah, first of all, a shout out to Swoop Arrow. Uh, again, one of my favorite. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't call them a competition, but I, that's a company I admire. I have been watching them uh, uh, since inception. And thanks to you again, Nikki, you were the one who uh, exposed us to uh, a thriving company like uh, uh, Swoop Arrow. Uh, actually, two of their engineers attended one of their my presentations also in a, uh, in a group chat we had. But advantage what Swoop Arrow has or had 
is a very, very clear vision. So what they have been doing or what they are doing, they are very clear about it. They want to target and focus on certain uh, sector of the industry. Yeah. Drone deliveries will, yeah, I mean, uh, it's only limited by our imagination, but more than that, it's limited by CASA. If you, we have been exploring this opportunity because uh, I had business people come to me that they wanted to deliver hardware uh, for one of the very renowned hardware chains in Australia. And they wanted to limit everything to sub two kilos. And we were trying to explore the possibility of getting it through CASA, but CASA is a brick wall, uh, not a brick wall, but it's a much, much thicker uh, wall than we could imagine. Uh, if you go to their website and you search drone delivery, so they have approved till date only one company, Wing, which is operating deliveries in ACT, and which you mentioned they have clocked more than 100,000 deliveries. Uh, I had been talking to CASA inspectors and people who are responsible for regulating this side of uh, drone operations. They have a battle drawn between drones and aircrafts. Uh, so why do they allow aircrafts fly over residences and people and in close proximity, uh, given their size? Given the decades of experience and the quality management they have, so they are drawing a parallel between that industry and what the drones can achieve. So the drones are still in infancy and there is no way you can achieve that sort of reliability and cross-examination uh, compared to fixed-winged aircraft. So what is the next best alternative? So you have Wing, which is an offshoot of Google. They have, I would say, a reliable aircraft. Uh, personally, I would rate Superhero's aircraft better than what Wing is uh, delivering. But they got... Through that hurdle, that has been done. Uh, CASA has put a tick mark. Yes, they are reliable and they can deliver. Swoop Arrow, I believe, till they, they are still waiting for their approval for uh, BB Loss deliveries in Queensland. I think they are tying up with a pharmaceutical company for medicine delivery. Uh, in my view, that is the way to go. Uh, again, within the drone industry, there are many different niche sectors. So Swoop, what they are doing, they have the mileage, they have run on some runs on the board, they have done deliveries in Africa in challenging environments, and, and they have their own stack, uh, tech stack, which they are manufacturing in, in Australia. So as far as deliveries are concerned, they are here to stay. Uh, if you look at the development, it's being pushed up uh, with all the major players and India being one of them. But I believe uh, the UTM, uh, the unmanned traffic management system is going to be the spine or the main stay for this industry. And that is going gung-ho. So Europe, US, Australia, Asia are fully focusing on this. And what we see and read uh, from reliable sources is by mid 2023, your air taxis are going to happen. At what scale, we still don't know, but UTM management uh, and documentation will have some sort of flesh and bones by end of this year. And 23, we'll see your deliveries and air taxis going in. So yeah, CASA will have no choice. So they they take their cues from UK and the US. And, uh, I, I, I don't blame them. They are trying to be safe. Safety has to be there. But uh, at the end of the day, we need to have... Uh, some sort of a, a bridge 
between safety and uh, how you can, you know, what they say as uh, Allah, long as reasonably possible kind of yeah. a thing. So, Look, I mean, let's face it, Australia is known in the world as having the most robust health and safety workspaces that you could possibly do legislation around it. And for our listeners, um, if you don't know, CASA is a civil aviation safety authority, which I should have uh, said at the outset. But what are your predictions for the next two years? I mean, you've touched on not flying uh, vehicles, which I'm... I've seen some footage on of people whizzing around and I'm going, yep, like I'll leave that for the tried and tested. Um, I think we've got more than 2,000 drone companies in Australia as we're sitting here chatting now. Um, I think it's just a growing space, Ken. Oh, definitely. It is. uh, So this sort of, uh, if you want to go back in time, it's uh, the advent of the vehicle. And once uh, the four wheels are, uh, invented, uh, then the different brands uh, and the different sizes and different horsepowers and different capacities will come into play. And not every Lamborghini is going to deliver a pizza. So you will have special uh, vehicles and aircrafts uh, and systems just targeting different niches. But as you said, yes, it is a growing industry, Nikki, uh, but there will come a time where uh, lot of uh, there will be a filter and a lot of companies will have to decide which way to go uh deliveries uh are here and they are here in a big way but before that you know uh, they we've been watching star trek but things are going to happen much sooner than what we expect ev tall taxis are coming and coming thick and fast and they're, they're coming sooner than what we expect uh there are so many companies who have backed by existing uh, airlines and you know see there's serious money there is serious research there are results to be shown um, and they are already already running operations in Australia, in Asia and Middle East so I would say my prediction for the upcoming future you're going to see air taxis you're going to see drone deliveries take up in a big way and you will see a big leap uh, in last mile delivery, which is going to be a combination of conventional robotics and drones uh, put together. And, you know, uh, I've said this before that uh, when, when I started Exaptic, we were thinking of uh, going into drones and I didn't. And now I'm thinking, oh my goodness, but still, like, it's not a space that I'm going into. But certainly, you know, talking about our tech, our tech shortage that we're coming into, you know, the prediction is in the next five years, we're going to have a huge tech shortage in Australia. What are your thoughts around this? We need 160,000 AI specialists mm-hmm. by 2025. And I'm not saying this. This is uh, Ms. Suki saying that, the CSIRO yeah. saying that. Yeah. Uh, and that's only AI side of things. Uh, what about uh, mechatronic engineers? Uh, you, you need, uh, apart from AI specialists, you need computer programmers. And, and I can tell you firsthand, Nikki, yeah, when we uh, needed engineers, I had to thrash out uh, so many applications uh, from overseas, just two from Australia. So that's where the problem lies. So we have had zilch uh, student intake in universities. I've been talking to students in Asia, uh, US, even in Russia, who would like to come over and work. But the thing is, nobody. if you don't have foreign students coming in, they're not going to pay top dollar to do an online course in engineering. So the dearth of engineering, uh, talking to engineers Australia, uh, 
they said 75% of the engineering intake in Australia used to come from Asia. And that has totally stopped. So if you have that big hole, and in addition to that, you had another two years of zilch foreign student intake. This is going to bite in the next four to five years. So companies like us who need engineers, you will... I'm finding it hard to find engineers in Australia, so which is forcing me to look to other places like India where I can tap into their skill sets either virtually or sending, uh, getting them to manufacture and then sending it over. Oh. Uh, this is going to be the name of the game for uh, small manufacturers and R&D companies like us because we cannot poach engineers from the Google or the other big uh, tech firms. And that's what's been happening. People are just poaching 10%, 15% more than what they have been getting in the other company. Uh, we cannot do it. So for us, the stock gap arrangement is going to be, yes, you will have to use virtual services uh, from overseas. But, no, look, uh, I, I fully agree with you. I concur. I think uh, you know everyone that I speak to, it's the same, hence the Generate 22 conference that's focusing on getting industry, academia, and educators in the same place to talk about this and and how do we encourage uh, more students into the tech fields not necessarily an engineering degree but they're all sorts of pathways into it now speaking of the conference at this stage you're still going to be an exhibitor and will you be doing your bringing your drones and doing some flying ah uh, yeah we are hopeful of uh, making it to the conference nikki i'm really really looking forward to it and um, our plan is to showcase one of our uh, IP, which we have developed. Uh, it's going to be a special drone. I won't spill the beans as such, but uh, expect it to f- uh, fly around possibly and showcase uh, its its uh, skills, so as to say, within the environment. So if we can't fly inside, then at least we'll have a video, but you'll see the oh, drone. No you'll, be, no, you'll be flying outside. There's lots of space here and you're allowed to do it. So... Ken, it's been an absolute uh, delight speaking with you. Have you got any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Oh, yes. Uh, I would say uh, anyone who is interested in the tech industry as such, robotics, AI, uh, drone is a very small part of it. It's, it's coming under the gamut of being a robotic company or robotic industry. Hasanmeh. Don't give up. Uh, think times are going to be tough, especially in our industry. Uh, nobody cares about the tech. Be very, very clear about it. What you can do with the tech and how much money you can make for your clients is what they're interested in. But hustle. Times are going to be tough, but people are tougher. And uh, one, one last thing I would say is uh, whenever you guys make it, and I'm pretty sure everyone will, Look beyond the business, uh, look beyond the journal uh, turnovers and profit making. Let us support our own society and uh, have a cause supported. Bring, in, bring up a person, bring up a student, take him or her up with yourself in a journey. If everyone listening does that, if one for one, uh, one person looks after another one. It's going to be a much better place, I would say, in the near future and definitely in the longer run. But uh, yeah, uh, keep working hard and uh, collaborate. Uh, that's love, the name of the game. I love that, Ken. It's a very important part of the ethos is to give back because, you know, we're creating a new future for everyone um, on the journey that we're going on. Yes, we are. 
If anyone would like to reach you, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, we've got a website, which is www.yellowfinrobotics.com. And uh, yeah, the email address is info at yellowfinrobotics.com. And the number is there on the website, which is very, very easy to remember, one 300 So that's the way you can reach me. And I would love to meet uh, uh, listeners if uh, they are going to be there at January 22 at uh, the exhibition being hosted by Nikki. Uh, before I end today, I would definitely like to give a shout out to Nikki. Uh, uh, you are the one who invigorated an interest in general robotics for us as a company and brought us uh, in contact with so many, uh, uh, would say, stupendous people uh, who are sort of uh, stalwarts in their own field, be it robotics or be it outside robotics. So thanks for the exposure, Nikki, and thanks for all your efforts. You are a flag bearer for the industry and uh, kudos to you. Oh, thank you, Ken. That's that's really kind of you. I really appreciate that. So to our listeners, thank you very much for joining us uh, in this episode today. I hope you look after yourself till you join me again next week for another episode of Let's Talk Robotics. Be kind to yourself and be good. Thanks, Ken. Thank you.